0: You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and one of the great festivals in Ireland when it comes to traditional music is the Willie Clancy Festival and Summer School, which happens in Miltown, Malby, West Clare every year. Uh, quiet the last few years, even though it did continue because of COVID, there was a virtual, and uh, I know we caught up. And this time last year, I had the privilege of being in County Clare around this time of the year. And I would have to say it was a horrendous situation because the place was quiet. Uh, It was nothing like it is at the moment. If you want to go to West Clare at the moment, you better bring your sleeping bag and your plastic bag and whatever because you're going to be sleeping in a field somewhere you're not going to get any accommodation. Uh, It's running from the 2nd to the 10th of July. And one of the unique features this year is there is going to be a tremendous Canadian... um, and I would have to say Canadian-Irish representation because Gerard O'Halloran, who is from uh, out the road from Milton Malby in, well, he's East Clare, will be bringing a Canadian representation in the form of Kate Bevan baker and kate is with us also and he has uh, more representation we're going to he's going to be sharing about the wonderful movie that he made the lost children of the carrix he'll be talking about uh, the quebecois music and lots more things Garrod and kate thanks a million for coming along great to have you here and Garrod, i'm going to throw it straight back at you and let you give me the cole's notes
1: well thanks so much austin for the invite to the show Uh, this program, of course, is one of the landmark flagship programs of of the Voice of Ireland in Canada. It's great to be part of of this, you know, extended Irish story in Canada. And as you say, we're very, very delighted to be bringing back uh, Canadian music and Quebecois music to Ireland because I suppose both of us being immigrants are very aware of the fact that most of the attention uh, when we talk about the Irish diaspora to America, it goes to America as opposed to Canada. Uh, we hear so much about the Irish in Boston and New York and Chicago and all of the big North American cities. And sometimes the story of the Irish in Canada is often overlooked, you know, in the hype, so to speak. And I think we can be very proud of the traditions and the history and the heritage that we've all created, whether we're Scots or Irish or Welsh or, or whatever, north america over the last number of centuries and uh, we were very delighted to be asked back to the willie clancy summer school skull soda willie clancy which this year is celebrating its 50th uh, anniversary and of course it's it's called after the the very great and wonderful claire piper willie clancy who died in 1973 and left a great legacy of piping, uh, not just in Clare, but throughout Ireland and now throughout the world. And so we're bringing back a group of Quebecois canadian musicians to represent all of the traditions, so to speak, uh, in music <clears throat> that we have here in Canada, uh, both uh, certainly the native music, so to speak, of... Um, Quebec and other parts of Canada, but also the immigrant music that uh, was brought to this country by the Scots and the Irish and the 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 uh, the French. And so, in a sense, we're bringing a, a package of music song and dance back to Milton Way. But there's also a bigger story, so to speak, behind this, because a number of years ago, as you know, uh, I made this documentary film about a, a tragic famine story called The Lost Children of the Carricks. And it's interesting that just Three years ago, almost to the day, uh, the victims of that uh, famine tragedy were reburied in the gas bay in um, in, in a formal ceremony because back in eighteen forty seven the bodies were simply um, rounded, rounded up if I can use that awful expression, collected from the beach and buried in a mass grave, and uh, they were left in that mass grave. For you know, uh, over a century and a half, and then three years ago they were formally reburied in the Gas Bay, and we've been planning to bring back the story of the Carrick, so to speak, in film to Ireland for that length of time, but of course COVID put an end to all of that. Now we're delighted to be able to bring back the the story of you know the the Irish in Canada, both in film and in music, and as I say, it's an extended package. It's a it's a history of um, Irish, Scottish and Quebecois music uh, going, going home, so to speak. And we'll be meeting other musicians from Ireland, Scotland uh, and Canada and all over the world, really, because the Willie Fancy is, you know, I suppose it's, it's the mecca of Irish music. Everybody from all over the world comes to Willie Week because it is such an important landmark.
0: Garrett, and while well, you did a fantastic job there, given a little bit of the background, it helps identify yourself because, of course, you have the heritage of being part of the Kilfenora Kelly Band, uh, and as a, a musician yourself, not only as a filmmaker and as a great historian of traditional Irish music and Irish folk music, that you have that depth and knowledge of culture. So to be reconnecting and to bring that heritage and richness to Canada... And then to identify on the Canadian side the wealth and the richness that is here and to be bringing it back to, to Ireland and to Claire and to Willie Clancy is a powerful uh, a, a skill and a powerful talent that you have. And to be able to reconnect with the musicians there also. Um, Kate uh, is uh, Newfoundland-born. And is a recognized fiddler and classical violinist and singer. And she's been playing the violin since she was four years of age. And again, a bit like in Ireland where you have kids and they're given a, a fiddle, uh, a small size fiddle as a child. Um, and they, they, um, you, they breathe in the music. It's in the air. It's in the house. It's in the air. They, it's, it's osmosis. And out of that, uh, it, it evolves. Uh, and uh, Kate holds, um Violent Performance Degrees from Memorial and McGill Universities. And, uh, Kate, thanks. And uh, there's a Scottish connection there. And I wanted to refer to that because the fusion of Irish music, Scottish music, uh, and uh, the styles, the difference in styles, because that's in a way what it is. It's the same deep root heritage that has slightly different accents. Kate? Welcome and thanks a million for coming along. I guess you're excited to be heading to the Willie Clancy.
2: Yes, thank you for having us. I am absolutely thrilled and so excited to finally get to go this summer. Um, One of the things I love the most about traditional music is the mixing and the sharing of the different styles and dialects, like the little language differences. Um, And I do have very strong Scottish roots So those were the first tunes I would have learned as a young child on the fiddle. Um, But I've lived in many places around Canada and wherever I go, I learn the tunes and the repertoire and the styles of that place. And that's one of my favorite things to do is just absorb it and share and learn from people in different places. And I know that I'm going to be uh, completely saturated with (laughs) more of this music and cultural sharing at uh, Willie Clancy. So I'm very excited for that.
0: Garrett, I know you and I can pick up on the nuances of uh, accent from even different parts of Clare or Galway. Uh, And I know that when it comes to playing the fiddle, that there are nuances that people can identify, whether someone is playing in a Sligo style or in a Clare style or in a, a carrier wherever Kate would you have found those type of nuances as you explored Canada with music
2: yes absolutely I love um, slowing recordings down and watching videos and nitpicking and getting all of the different articulation and ornamentation that players employ in in their playing um, and I suppose because I'm so detail oriented that's uh, another thing I love to do is um, give like lecture performances where, where I demonstrate these differences between uh, regional styles and um, audiences love um, not just hearing about it but in words but hearing in music um, and it's very obvious to see these differences when when you play one style after another and highlight those slight different nuances
0: so would you at this stage if someone picked up a fiddle and played in a, a would you be able to, oh they're out of a valley or um that's uh, cape breton yes. you'd be able to know the, the nuances are equally there
2: yes for sure
0: right so uh, to either of you then you know, we can chrono- uh, see a chronology, and um, you talk about it, Gerard, like with Lost Children of the Carrigs, because that is out in the Gas Bay. But we know that the immigrant story that the Irish arrived and wove their way across Canada. The style, uh, is it in any way reflective of that migration?
1: That, that's a very good question, Austin. And um, I suppose for the, the musical answer, I would have to defer to Kate, because you know that this is for specialty, um, and I should also point out, of course, that, that Kate and I work at the School of Irish Studies at Concordia, and Kate teaches courses um, on, on musical styles, which is kind of a, you know, it's a very nuanced angle into the whole world of migration, because if you take the spread of Irish migration and immigration across Canada from, let's say, a place like Fogo Island off mm-hmm. the north coast or northeast Coast of Newfoundland, and you trace it all the way down through Newfoundland, along the um, the Saint Lawrence, uh, into um, you know the Canadian interior, and then go all the way west into some place like the Yukon. Um, all of those places that received Irish immigrants all received also, if you like, um, music, song, and dance. And it's it's actually possible to map out the traces. I mean, one of the great shocks for me, I suppose, as a musician, and Kate knows this story, I was invited to Alaska back in 1999 in the middle of winter, you know, and myself and uh, a guy from France uh, who's based now in, in Canada, uh, Patrick urso he's down in Toronto. And I remember we arrived at Fairbanks in the middle of November in 1999 to be told by, strangely enough, a Kerry man who was organising the uh, concert in Fairbanks. Now, lads, you're going to be playing with a couple of Athabascan fiddlers tonight. And I thought this was fantastic. And I said to him, great, uh, will they be starting uh, the, the, the concert or will we start and will they take it up from there? And he said to me, no, you guys are all going to be playing together. (laughs) Uh, And I said, you're kidding me. (laughs) But ironically, what I discovered there and then was um, these extraordinary fiddlers, uh, Gwelson fiddlers who who belonged to the Athabascan-speaking homeland in the Yukon and Alaska, had received so much music over the years from the Hudson Bay people, but also from the Irish uh, gold miners who went up to the Klondike to dig for gold. And so when the miners left, the music stayed. And and these people preserved Scottish music and Irish music. And here we were in 1999, a century afterwards, you know, uh, two fellows from France and and Ireland rediscovering that tradition again. So for me, this is an extraordinary
0: statement of musical travel, you know. And Kate, your experience on that?
2: Uh, So many tunes would be similar in um, melodic, construct but might have different titles and it's always funny and enjoyable to hear someone say oh I'm going to play this tune and you're like wait a second I I I know that but in a different key or so the story girl told is relatable for me as well um and it's interesting hearing contemporary compositions in a traditional style borrow so much from um centuries old Really traditional tunes as well. So the um, the sound of what's traditional and coming from different roots and places over different periods of time is still very much alive and embraced, especially here in Quebec. There's so much um, contemporary music fiddle tunes being composed today that sound like they could be hundreds of years old.
0: I know a few years ago I, I was at an event here in Ottawa, and it was a First Nations event, and there was a guy sitting up on stage with the squeeze box, Simeoni uh, Kinenak, and uh, he's playing a piece. So I go up to him and I say, "Where'd you learn that?" He said, "Oh, old, old native tune," <laughs> and, and he called it Cumberland Sound. He said he, it was just something that he acquired from, that he had grown up with, and it was part of the tradition. And even this, the squeeze box, he said, oh, yeah, that was introduced kind of back in the, the 1920s or something. But here, what you and I, Garrod, would know as what um, the Irish, not the Irish washerwoman or, or whatever it is, but here he is, and it's Cumberland Sound for him. I was just I was just blown away by it.
1: That is very, very common, uh, Austin. And I think this is kind of one of the the, the great surprises, you know, coming from any part of, quote-unquote, Western Europe to North America. These little nuggets of discovery, uh, as Kate said, you know, you hear a tune, whether it's modern or 50 years old or 100 years old, and suddenly there's some point along the melodic tail, so to speak, where it clicks you know, you hear something that resonates and the memory goes off in multiple directions. You know, this is one of the great things about music It kind of, has, as Sir Thomas Beecham said, it releases us from the tyranny of conscious thought, you know. Uh, and I think we need that, you know. We're so Cartesian these days. Everything is planned and programmed and we're all living off lists and schedules. But somehow in the middle of a tune, you know, whether you're playing with somebody else or playing with a group, an sense of enlightenment, if I can use that expression. And that's the joy of music, you know. And I think uh, that's why we all enjoy it so much. It's it's why we're all part of a, a whole other world of music that helps us to, you know, enjoy life.
0: And Kate, this is your first trip to Ireland, is it?
2: It's not. I, I think it'll be my sixth, fifth or sixth trip. Okay. Uh, but my first time at Willie Clancy.
0: At Willie Clancy. Indeed. Indeed. So, um, as from a scheduling perspective, I guess uh, you have um, workshops lined up, you have music sessions lined up, you're getting to screen the film, Garrett. Um And uh, I, I guess the, I, I w- anticipate there will be a lot of questions and answers going on.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right, Austin. Um, it's been uh, a lot of fun trying to Multitask if I can use that expression because uh, I think we're all we're all operating on fumes at this stage. Um, we have uh, obviously the tour. We we're rehearsing. We're trying to rehearse. Um, putting a kind of a multiplicity of shows together. Uh, Kate is super busy. Our partner uh, Martin Billet, fabulous piano player, singer, dancer uh, in the Quebecois tradition, is also super busy. So just putting three schedules together is, is a huge challenge because. Of course, we're all, you know, we all have day jobs as well. Um, the tour itself is, is actually bigger than the Willie Clancy uh, week because we're starting out in Dublin at the Seamus Inn Centre in, uh, in the Knoll in North Dublin. Then we're taking the film across the country to where the whole story began, in Ballymote in County Sligo. And um, we're working there with the County uh, Sligo Famine Commemoration Committee. Uh, you know, people like Joe McGowan, who've been absolutely essential and invaluable to this whole project since it started. So we're putting on a concert performance as part of the Connacht Fla uh, in Ballymote and showing the film. And then we're going from Sligo all the way down to Ballyvourney in West Cork. Beautiful. The, uh, the next performance. And we're delighted to be uh, going to Ballyvourney because the person hosting us is a daughter of the great Sean O'Reilly. Um, who, of course, is a, a former member of the European Parliament. So we're going to be spending a full night in the Gwerthet area of, of Kulé and Ballyvorni, and then driving up across the mountains of Kerry, uh, crossing the River Shannon to Milton and uh, for a week of, of workshops, lectures, talks, sessions. I don't think we're going to sleep a, a, a wink, uh, which is great. And uh, our final performance then is in Clifton, right. uh, in Plenty Galway, your part of the world, oh. Austin. And uh, then we head across to Dublin and, you know, come back home.
0: Fantastic. Gerard, Kate, it's been wonderful connecting with you. I know you're going to enjoy Ireland. I just wish I could be there. Can't be there, Aldous. Can't be in two places is <laughs> the great dilemma of being an immigrant. You know <clears throat> what we have here is fantastic, and what's there is fantastic. And you can't be in both places at the one time.
1: Well, we hope, uh, Austin, that uh, you, you'll get to hear the music of Sri Lang uh, sometime soon, live. And uh, thanks, a million for having us on the show.
0: And we're going to share a piece of music uh, now. And um, uh, do one of you want to introduce the piece we're going to share? Kate can can introduce uh, the piece. You go ahead, go on.
1: Okay, as we're as we're passing. Uh, the Book, so to speak. Um, these are Quebecois tunes which uh, Kate and Martin uh, arranged, and we were very, very fortunate to get uh, the second piece of music from our great friend Pierre Schreier, who's uh, a Canadian grandmaster originally from Sault Ste. Marie who lives out now on the west coast. The first tune is called Le Rêve du Quai Tremblay. and the second tune is called La Tucque Bleue. Garrod Kate. Grønne miljømiljøer må hage Austin,